0: Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. So, you know, a man's mind plans his way, but the Lord directs the footsteps. So uh, I'm going to go with the Lord. How many think that's usually a good idea? That's just usually a good, good idea. All right. Judges, chapter 6, verse 1. Let me pray. Father, thank you for meeting needs, opening eyes, and we give you honor for it. And the church says... All right, then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. I'd rather please God and have a few people upset with me than to please people and have God upset with me. How many of y'all are saying? You know, what God knows about you is far more important than what people might think about you. So the Lord, who has ultimate authority and control here, he delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. You know, we are free to choose our sins, but we are not free to choose our consequences. Seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. If God be for you, who can be against you? But if God be against you, it doesn't matter who's for you. If I'm wrong about God, it's important. At worst, I would have wasted my life. But if some in this room are wrong about God, you're about to waste eternity. Well, the hand of Midian prevailed because of the Midianites. Children of Israel made for themselves dens, caves, and strongholds, which are in the mountains. Now, walking away from God is the most expensive thing in life that you can do, and you, you heard me say this uh, many times before it will take you place you don 't want to go, it will keep you longer than you want to stay and cost you more than you want to pay that 's just the way it works when we walk away from God. so it was when Israel had sown whenever the Israelite uh, farmers planted their crops. The Midianites would come up. The scripture says, uh, also with the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. Uh, When we get to the end of this narrative, you know these guys turn on each other. But we can see here that this Israel's enemies were this fragile alliance of nomadic Bedouins, and uh, since camels could go a long time without uh, water, these fierce warriors roamed the entire deserts. Uh, and, and on the other hand, again, you have these Bedouins ones that, that ride in these camels and, and then they can strike you down, you know, with, with their, their uh, round looking sword, whatever you call that thing. I'll, when I'll, after the fast, I remember the name of that. Shintar, what is it? No, it's okay. There I go again. Rabbits, rabbits, rabbits. <laughs> but on the other hand, the Israelites, they were just simple farmers. and Without God's help, uh, they were absolutely helpless. Then they would encamp against them. When the Amalekites and the uh, Midianites showed up, uh, we, we see here that there was no battles. All they had to do was show up and encamp. So the Israelites were so demoralized, like sometimes we get watching the news and stuff going on in our neighborhood and our schools, etc. They were so uh, demoralized that they stopped fighting back. And this is important. You may lose some battles, but when you lose your fight, it's over. And the Midianites would destroy the produce of the earth as far as as Gaza and leave no sustenance from Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor nor donkey. They stole the crops, they stole the animals, and, and they also stole the courage. For they would come upon, uh, they would come up with their livestock and their tents, coming in as numerous as the locusts. Both they and their camels—why well, I said camels—you see this. This was the fearsome part of, of their raid. Them and their candles were without what number again. This fierce. Bedouin camel riding tribe would would come into the area and, and these people were known for their blood feuds and and they had ancient memories and they remembered how Moses defeated them on the way out and they remembered those 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 Jews that came into their land and out of nowhere they would just suddenly appear because they didn't really have a place they just traveled from place to place so out of nowhere they just pop up and they take everything that the Israelites had. You ever have some situations in your life, that just seem to pop up out of nowhere? I mean, it, where did that come from, oh God? And this was the case with the Midianites and the Amalekites. And, and they would enter the land at will, there'd be no resistance, and they would destroy it. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. It was a, a totally bad scene here. And, uh, Uh, but the next verse is is the game changer all this was happening that suddenly out of nowhere stuff just kept happening and the children of israel finally cried out to the lord it's going to stay hard until you finally i'm not talking about some formulaic prayer but when you finally get by yourself and start talking about those things that are really going on in your heart and in your mind when you finally really cry out from your heart to the Lord. Now, the New Testament, and this is important because we're going to begin a, a series on prayer now. And we're going to talk about the types of prayer. But in the New Testament, the prayer that uh, the Bible was just talking about. It's called a prayer of supplication. Say it with me, supplication. supplication. The church father, Chrysostom, defined petitions, which is, you, you'll see in the Bible, and I'll read that in a moment in the book of Philippians, but uh, matter of fact, let's go there. Philippians 4 and 6, and then I'll go back up. It says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer, in some translations say petitions, and urgent supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. So there are times for petitions or general prayer, but there's also time for supplications. So you wouldn't have two words next to each other if both words meant the same thing. So let's go back up and let's take a look at what the church fathers said about this. Chrysostom defines petitions or general prayer as, as simply a prayer to obtain a good. So there's this general prayer or general petitions, which is simply a prayer for good. Lord, uh, help me. Lord, bless my children. Lord, help my neighbor. You know, those are just general petition asking prayers. But supplication is a deeply felt and intensely vocalized prayer, typically to avoid harm. And I went through this fast and it really wasn't until yesterday that I entered into supplication. And I, I had formulated prayers, and I prayed about you guys. I prayed about issues. I prayed about people. And God, I'm sure, was answering the prayer. I was speaking the word. But then it hit me yesterday, and I heard a tremor in my voice and tears wanted to run down my head. You don't necessarily have to cry, but, but I, I felt something. I knew I was no longer just offering a petition, but there was supplication coming from my heart. And when I enter into supplication, it's a different realm of prayer. And we got to learn how to do both. And if I could teach you anything, next to learn the word of God is teaching you how to pray. Because I will tell you, that most of the prayers in my life have gone answered because I've learned some of these things. And I also know that I don't know. And you see, when you offer petitions, you pray according to the word, you pray according to the knowledge, but when you step into supplication, God, I cry out to you, God, I not have no answer. I need you, and it's amazing. He bless you when you don't know and when you do know. Jeremiah 33 and verse 3. The Old Testament captures the concept of supplication this way. He says, call to me. Some prayers can't just be prayed quietly in our hearts. I appreciate the Catholic, the Presbyterians, and the Method, but some prayers cannot just be prayed quietly from the heart. We have to call loud from deep down on the inside. You know, different outcomes will not be shaped by indifferent people praying indifferent prayers. I'm preaching good to you this morning. He said, when you call to me, I will. See, this when you supplicate. <laughs> when you cry out to me, I will answer you and show you great and mighty If you just cry out, stop being so stiff, stop trying to be so tough, stop trying to be so hardcore and talk about it, even if you run out of words to say, because the Bible promises God will blow your mind with things which you don't even know, meaning eyes have not seen and ears have not heard. Stay with me. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. Woo! Y'all coming back tonight to supplicate, to enter the supplication before the Lord for our families, for our nation, for our church, for those we love. Psalm 34 and 17, he said, the righteous cry out. They call on God with awe their hearts. And watch it. He keeps saying this. And when we do, the Lord hears. You see, a parent knows when a child's just crying. From the time a child really crying. Now, now this is me, not you. But when, when I first kind of caught on the, the Lord a little bit, One time I went to God in prayer with these tears and everything, and he answered, and the Holy Ghost came on me. It was powerful. So the next time I was trying to fake some tears, no results. You see, a parent knows when a child's really, really crying out. From his heart, hard. I mean, that parent would break down walls, go over mountains. Isn't God even a better father? Yeah. <laughs> Psalms 50 and verse 15. Call upon me. Cry out in the day of trouble. You see, supplication happens when there's a dire need. When you're facing danger, pain, or, or, or hurt, or some desperate, situation. Call them. Watch the promise. And I will deliver. See, we're too busy running out of prayer. Well, Lord, I checked the box. I prayed today. But sometimes you might need to park your car in a place. You might need to go. You see, here's the deal. When Jesus taught us to pray, he said, go into your secret place. It wasn't, you know, it was a part about don't do it to show off. But also prayer is supposed to be deeply intimate. And we got to get away because it ain't everybody's business. And we want to be free to say what we need to say and respond in a way we need to respond. So, so that's why sometimes we got to get alone with God to pray. And the promise is I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. Matthew 14 and 30. We're going to see this in the New Testament. Then we're going to get right back to Gideon. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to what? Sink. How many in this room face some fears and dealing with some, some, some things sinking in your life? Just a few? All right. About five, six. All right. Watch what Peter, as a good Hebrew, did. He cried out. Now, that might be the first time you really saw that verse the way it's supposed to be seen. He didn't pray some formulaic, our oh, Father which art heart in heaven, hallelujah. God, I'm going to get to that part down there where you say, no, no, no. He cried out or made supplication to the Lord while he was sinking, while he was afraid, when he was going down. And he said to the Lord, save me. These three short words, Lord, save me, is some of the strongest theology in all the Bible. Jesus saves. And when you believe that, you call on that name. And immediately, you see, when he heard the cry of his child, supplication, he stretched out his hand and he caught him. Here's the question. Do you want to be cute or do you want to get caught? He was sinking and drowning, but a lot of us trying to be cute and we drown because we want to be cute. But God is saying, if you cry out, I will catch you, preserve you, uphold you by my right hand. You belong to me and not the sea. You are mine. And no others. Back to Judges like I promised. Judges 6 and 7. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites. Now here's the deal. They stayed in defeat. They, they, they stayed impoverished until they were humble enough to cry out. And you will stay where you are until you are humble enough to finally bend those knees. And when they did, finally, the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel. Meaning the word God releases in your life is proportional to the level of prayer and the amount you cry out to him. So when they finally cried out, the heavens were no longer silent. The Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel who said to them, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. I want you to, again, notice the pattern. They cried out, and then they heard a word from the Lord. So if you want your word, many of us are going to have to cry out to God. Skip to verse 11. Now the prophet spoke. Now an angel shows up. And the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Abizorite, while his son Gideon thrust wheat in the winepress in order to hide from the Midianites. How many of us in this room are hiding? You know God put more in you than what you're acting like. But you're hiding who you are, all you got. See, you have no business... Being less than when you serve a more than God. But I'm preaching to the Gideons in this room. You're you're hiding. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, man, what are you doing? The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. You see, God sees more in you than you see in yourself. It's just just who he is. And when he said that, Gideon couldn't figure out, who's this angel talking to? Because, you know, he was just as afraid as as anyone else in the land. Verse 14. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours. The NIV says, go in the strength that uh, you have. Here's what I, I need you to hear. The only reason God gave you your life is because he made you strong enough to live it. Yes. That's right. If your life takes a little bit of strength, it's because God already put it in you to do what you need to do. So by, fa- by, by virtue of the fact, the day has come upon you. You just know automatically God must have put in you or the day couldn't come upon you because he's a faithful God and and he watches over his children. He neither sleeps nor slumbers. So if a tough time comes, you must have what it takes to get through it. God said, and you almighty man shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. This is not in the Bible, but I'm convinced Gideon immediately put on his stank face, right, right, right there. <laughs> and he's like, what, "What you talking about? What? Who am I?" And a lot of y'all, in the spirit, that's what y'all look like. Y'all, are like, I can't even do it. <laughs> so God pushed back. He said, "Gideon, have I not?" Sent you, Gideon. This is really not about you. Gideon, do you realize who you're dealing with? The issue is not what's in front of you, the issue is who is beside you. Gideon. So he, he said to him, Oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Listen, my my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and and I'm the least in my, my father's house. Blah, 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 blah. And all of us have our own blah, blahs to put in when God asks us to do something. But the Lord responded in verse 16. He said, surely I will be with you. Again, who can defeat you with me standing beside you? The issue's not you. See, I sometimes, I know it's not you. I get it mixed up in my head. God asked me to do something. I'm like, I can't. God's like, that has nothing to do with it, son. When are you going to learn, boy? It's not about what you can do. It's about what I can do through you, with you, if you just yield yourself. And you, with my help, the Lord with you, shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Now, this is a huge, huge promise. These are camel riding Bedouins that show up out of nowhere with these swords that I'm trying to remember the names of and, and, and they strike you down from the. the what's the, someone got to know? It's bothering me. No, it's not a sickle. That's for harvest. Uh, huh? Saber? S- yeah, Saber. Thanks. See, you're a brilliant man. Uh, saber. So, so they pull up, and then there's also another special name for it. But anyway, so Gideon went in and prepared a young goat, an unleavened bread from an ephra, a flower. So after God appears to him, speaks to him, comforts him, strengthens him, Gideon responds the way any healthy, ordinary, God-inspired human being should or would, he gave God an offering. Got to be careful about always being on the take. God, give me, you know, us for no more. Man, that's a small life if living's just about you. Lord, it's more blessed to give than to receive, Lord. Give me enough so I can be a blessing, God. He said, Lord, I want to give back to you. And that's natural when, when you really realize God has given to you.